Lord God, we're looking at this, uh, this book, the story, to really come to terms with what the Bible is all about, to, to know it, Lord, and, and, to, and to get caught up in your story. Lord, we want to live the story of God. We want, to, we want to know what it means to follow Jesus with passion and with joy. And uh, God, we're here today just to be in your presence again and to listen, um, to hear from you, and to allow this book, this inspired book, to be used by your spirit to just reach deeply into our hearts and make us new. And uh, so, Lord, we invite you. Just come now and do that work, we pray. Do the work in us uh, that you wish to do. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, the story carries on. And again, if you're new, this is a book which is really a chronological Bible. And if uh, you would like, you can certainly pick one up and read along with us. We're studying it for 31 weeks in our small groups throughout the life of the church. And uh, just kind of really saying, God, help us to know what your story is all about and how we can be a part of it. Like literally, that's such a huge part of this journey. So you know it, but you get caught up in it as well. And today, chapter 7, um, the battle begins. It's a good one. It's a good one. How many people feel like sometimes they're in a battle? How many people right now could identify the challenges which you face, which are real? Um, this, this chapter may be for you, if that's the case. Uh, it's been 600 years since Abraham was called from Ur the Chaldees, and we studied that, that, that journey. Called by God to the land named Canaan. Um, it's been 40 years since the people who uh, were, had gone from Canaan down into Egypt and become slaves had been freed by God. God's power had done something absolutely remarkable to free them from slavery, and they had been at the edge of the promised land, and God called them to go into it, but they said no, and they missed the blessing. Forty years they wandered in the wilderness as a result, and here they are again at the edge of, the, of Canaan, ready to enter in, it seems, this time. Moses, the great leader, has passed away. Joshua has been established as the leader, and it's essentially the, the book of Joshua we're looking at today. God's upper story is unchanged. And by that, what we mean is God has a sovereign plan and purpose for humanity. He's calling us back to him. He wants to get us back so that we would be in relationship with him and, and, and we would know his love and he would know our love. Um, and, and he wants his people blessed. I can't emphasize this enough. He, he, he is longing for the people of Israel to cross over that Jordan River from the, the east side of it, cross over the Jordan into the, to, 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 to Canaan itself, that land of promise that he had, he had uh, t spoken to them about. He longs for them to know goodness. He longs for them to establish his name, that they might be the means whereby other nations would see and understand and know that he is God. They would shine brightly, powerfully into the world that uh, others would know him. And in the end of the day, the question these people have is, what will they do now? How, how are they going to proceed? Well, God comes to Joshua, and, and his instruction is really very pointed. His, his instruction is clear. I'm going to read this. Uh, first part of, of Joshua chapter 1 to you, but I want you to notice three times in just a few verses, God says, be strong and courageous. Um, we'll see some of the other descriptions of that in a minute. But God says, go in there and have courage and have confidence. Trust me, I am with you. And you are going to know the blessing that I have for you. So let me read to you Joshua chapter 1 verses 1 to 6. It says this, After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord... 
The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Phenomenal promise. Anywhere where Joshua would set his foot, God would give to him. Your territory will extend from the, desert of, uh, to, from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, to all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Wow. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Here's number one. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Here, here is promise, profound promise by God. And he is saying to Joshua, you lead this people forward. This is my will. This is my wish. And if you go forward, you will succeed. Anywhere you put your foot, I have given to you. The blessing will be incredible, and it will all be because I will act on your behalf, and I will give you success. What an incredible thing for Joshua and ultimately the people to hear. Now, it's really easy for us to read this story about the Israelites' lower story. That's their experience of God's upper story. Really simple for us to sit back and go, oh, yeah, because we actually know the end of the story. They didn't. They're about to go into battle. They're going to go to war to take the land from the people who were living there at the time. People will die in this endeavor. They're going to need incredible strength. They're going to need incredible courage, which God calls Joshua and others to. And we're going to talk today about how they would know that strength and courage in their lives. How they would experience it in a way that would inspire them and allow them to move forward. Now, if you're in the small groups, you're going to know, you're going to know the plan here. The people of God had to become three things. They had to be uh, uh, the people of God in certain ways. And if they would just do what God called them to do, they would be people of courage and strength, they would succeed and prosper. They would know the blessing and the hand of God at work in their lives. And the first thing, of course, is that they would be people of the Word of God. People of the Word of God. No, no surprise to us as we study Scripture and as we get to know it. So let me read a little bit more to you from Joshua chapter 1, 7 to 9, page uh, 89 in, in the story itself. Listen to God speaking. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may succeed wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. This is God speaking. This is God guaranteeing something to his people. If only they will listen to him. He goes on, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Joshua that day, I would have been pretty, pretty amped up <laughs> because God is on my side. God is going to do incredible things through us. But I want to tell you, and I want to make this absolutely clear, the promise given to Joshua that day and ultimately to the people, it's conditional. God says, if you obey the law that I gave to my, my uh, servant Moses, you will be successful. If you keep the word of God on your lips, number one, you speak it. Number two, if you meditate it day and night, and that is put it into your heart and, and think about it and dwell upon it and let it impact your life. And number three, if you will do it, if you will act on it, if you will live it out 
And if you will not deviate to the left or to the right, then you will be blessed. Then you will succeed. Then you will be prosperous. Now, just take a moment right now when you, when you start to apply their lower story to our lower story. Is there anybody in this place today who doesn't want to succeed and be prosperous? Like, it seems a silly question, right? We all want that in whatever way we, we are engaging life right now, particularly when we run up against those challenges, which can be scary and difficult and, 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 and cause us to worry. But God says, listen to me, my people. This is the way forward. So, you know, I want us to think today as we go through this, this talk about the challenges which we face. What are yours? I know right now there are some, some uh, kids at, at college and university, some anticipating going there. You know, you want to succeed? Here it is. God is speaking something profound. There are people in business today, and business is not an easy thing in so many <laughs> expressions. It's, it's competitive and it's cutthroat. You want to succeed? You want to be prosperous in what you do? Listen to this, will you, today? You know, the challenge today, you know, I, I get thinking about this. In our culture, to have a successful and prosperous marriage, <laughs> like in this culture, that's not an easy thing to accomplish. You want to have a successful marriage and, and prosper in that way? Listen to the God as he speaks to us this morning. You see, the reality is that, that so many people live their lives based on their own ideas and their own thinking and, 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 and their own wisdom, and they give no reference to the Word of God in terms of how they do school or career, how they do business, how they do marriage, whatever the circumstance might be. But God comes along and He says, if you're my people, I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear my voice. I want you to heed my instruction. I want you to read the Word of God. I want you to know the Word of God. I want you to speak it. I want you to meditate upon it. I don't want you to deviate from it to the left or to the right. Stick right in line with what I have spoken to you, my people, because I want to bless you. I want to lead you into a promised land. I want to, I long to bless your life. So I'm asking you to allow my word to permeate your soul and form your life. You know, what happens as we look at this whole story, and this is, it's, the story is such a cool approach because you're not looking at a paragraph or a chapter. You're looking at a whole book in this instance here today. But what happens in, in, in this journey with God's people is, is, is when they live in obedience to his word, when they know it and they act upon it and, and so forth, it is God who acts through them to accomplish incredible things. They get caught up in what God is doing. God uses them, and they become prosperous and successful. Let me just cite a few of these stories that, that are in this chapter. They're, they're on the east side of the Jordan River. You can imagine that, I suppose. And they're going to cross the Jordan. They're going to go west into Canaan, that land which is now referred to as Israel and partly um, the Palestinian territory also. Um, but there's a river in front of them, and there are million-plus people. This is not an easy venture. What does God do? God steps in. He exercises his power. He stops the flow of the river that they might walk across into the land that he has called them to walk into. God acts for them. You know, then comes this whole, the, the, the first battle that they need to engage is, is the battle for Jericho. And God comes along, and he says to him, God's word is given. He speaks and he says, I, I want you to go and I want you to walk around the, the city once. 
and then do it a second time on the second day, and a third time on the third day. And on the seventh day, I want you to walk around the city seven times. And when I tell you, I want you to blow your horns, and I want you to all shout loud, out loud. What would you have thought if God had told you to do that? And remember, you're, if you're a warrior in particular, you're ready to get at the enemy. It'd be like, you want me to do what, God? <laughs> in other words, God's word doesn't always exactly make sense to us, but we're called to hear it and understand it and to obey it. Well, they do exactly what God calls them to do. And when they do walk around the city seven, seven times on the seventh day and they shout and they blow their trumpets and so forth, the walls collapse. Why? Because the power of God destroyed those walls. God was present and God was active and God was powerful and God gave them victory. You see, it's God acting for his people that produces incredible blessing. You know, they, they carry on, and there's the, the southern conquest, and they have to uh, deal with the Amorite kings. I'm going to read to you from page 96. Listen, not to what the Israelites did, but what God did for the Israelites. Page 96 at the bottom. Um, I should give this to you. Joshua 10, verses 9 to 14. So listen to this. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. That is the enemy. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. Who did that? the Lord. He confused the enemy. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Ezekah and Makada. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Ezekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them and more of them died from the hail than they were killed by the swords of the Israelites. God acted for them. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to the Israel, on the, the, on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself of its enemies. As is written in the book of Jashar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Do you hear it? See, what God is saying to us, if we'll just be people of the word, if we'll, if we'll not deviate to the left or the right, if we will speak the word and meditate upon the word and obey the word, he will step into our lives and he will cause us to su succeed and prosper. He will accomplish the challenge on our behalf. I want to tell you, my friends, <clears throat> when we are blessed, it is because God has blessed us. This is the modus operandi of the Lord. You understand that, don't you? When God wanted to bless us with salvation, i.e. a relationship with him, so that we would know eternal life both now and forever, what did he do? He didn't say, okay, you guys get busy and do this. He sent Jesus into this world to come to show us who he was, to die on a cross that our sin might be forgiven, to be raised to new life that someday we too might know resurrection and know life forever with God. When God wanted to bless us, he acted. And it's not our action that produces salvation, not by works so that no one can boast, it says in Ephesians chapter 2. It has nothing to do with how we live. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done and whether we will believe in him. And whether we will seek forgiveness in his name and whether as a result we will come into a relationship with God. This is how God functions. So you see, my friends, we are to be people of the word. We are to be people who 
study scripture and know scripture and believe in scripture. Allow the word of God to be the authority of our life and our faith. And then simply do what it tells us to do. Is that you? Is it? I mean, it's a yes or a no. I mean, I hope you can kind of process that honestly as you sit here today. But it's the promise of God. I want to take a moment and talk about a remarkable circumstance that happened in this chapter to see what happens when God's people don't do what the Word of God tells them to do. It's the story of Achan. And if you've read the chapter and if you've discussed it in your small groups already, you'll know uh, what this is about. But in the story of the defeat of Jericho, God says to, to his people, prior to the, to the battle, if you would, he said, all the spoils are to be mine. Everything is to be given to me that you take from that city. No one is to hold on to everything. And everyone obeyed the word of God except one man. I think there are two remarkable things there. One is that everybody obeyed the word of God except one man. <laughs> like everybody in Israel heard what God told them to do and they did it. That's remarkable. It's an expression of faith, an expression of obedience to God. But there was one man named Achan and he kept some of the spoils for himself, the spoils of war. Um, what happens is, of course, the next battle is the battle of Ai. And, you know, having succeeded with, with Jericho in a dramatic way, the, the army is pretty confident and spies are sent to Ai and, and they come back and say, oh, this is going to be an easy one. You don't need the whole army. You just need a couple thousand people. We'll take care of this quickly. And they head off to battle <clears throat> and they are soundly defeated. They are routed. Um, what's going on here is they are defeated because one man has sinned and God would not go with them as a result. It's, it's quite a penetrating thought when you think about it. See, they were functioning again in their own strength, but they were functioning without the presence and the power and thus the blessing of God. And they were defeated badly. What happens that sin is discovered, the sin of Achan, it is dealt with, <clears throat> it is repented of. And then God says, go, and they went, and God went with them, and they, he gave them victory. But I want you to think just a little bit, as I have thought a lot this week, and I anticipate some of you will have also, that God withheld his blessing because of the sin of one man. That's powerful to me. Um, let me ask you this question. To what degree do you think God withholds his blessing from your life because of the sin which may dwell within it? Hmm. See, the context is that God passionately wishes to bless you. He wishes to take you to the promised land. He wishes to shower blessing after blessing after blessing upon your life. But there are times he stands back and said, no, we get something to deal with first. Let me ask you another uh, and similar question. To what degree do you think God is withholding blessing from our church because of potentially the sin of one person? That kind of scares me a little bit. That's beyond my control, obviously. Makes me think about me and my sin, obviously. But I trust it will cause you to think deeply about where you're at in your relationship with the Lord. See, God comes along and he says, he says, think seriously about where you're at in your relationship with me, Israel, the church. Take seriously the reality of sin in your lives, don't think it's inconsequential. I want to bless you. Sometimes first we have to deal with this reality. So can I say if there's sin in your life, 
Can I challenge you to deal with it for your own sake and for the sake of this church and the ministry that God has called us to? For the sake of the glory of God being seen in victory rather than defeat. You know, the application to IPC uh, is quite clear. It's obvious. Think of the battles in this chapter. Think of the enemy that they have in various expression. Think of their absolute need of blessing for God to step in and do something profound. The action that God gives to them so that they would succeed and prosper. And apply all of that to us as a church. You know, we have a vision. We have a mission statement. I'm going to read it to you again as I sometimes do. So let's pop that up there. This is what we think we exist for. We exist to introduce people to Jesus, to deepen our faith, and to participate in God's life-transforming story and serve others at home, excuse me, and around the world. That's why this church exists, so the session has elders uh, have decided. That's our dream, and we have a vision that's written on the wall out there in, in the atrium, and, and, and the dream of the vision is a means whereby we're going to accomplish the mission. And essentially, that is simply that the world would be changed wherever we have opportunity to impact it. The vision is that people would see the glory of God through us, his people. The vision is that the kingdom of God would come in power and transform how this world functions. The vision is that people would come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and be drawn back into a relationship with God the Father through him. This is our heart's desire. This is our passion. But I want to tell you, we have an enemy. You have an enemy individually. If you don't know that, I would kind of wake up to the reality and deal with it. We have an enemy corporately as a congregation, the devil. He is formidable. He is powerful. And he attacks where the work of God is being done. I've been here 27 years as pastor now, and I've lived through a sequence of such attacks. If you've been here all the years as long as I have, can you identify them in your mind? Um... Times when, when, when uh, division has been broken, when lies and deception have, have taken root, in my opinion. These are the tools of the devil. I want to tell you, we will succeed if we are a people of the word of God in our battle with the enemy. If we know it, if we love it, if we live it, God will go forward. He will act for us, and his power will overcome the power of the evil one. This is the promise. Turn the thought around a little bit. We are called to go out into the world where the enemy is entrenched. We are called to go to Nicaragua and to downtown and to so many other locations. We are to go into places where we are to take back ground such as Israel was about to do. And the enemy will not want to let it go. My friends, we need to be people of the word. Let me say it again. We have to know it profoundly, deeply, thoroughly. We have to believe in it. We have to, to, to live in obedience to it. And if we will do that, God will give us the ground. And we will succeed, not because of our own strength, but because of what the Lord does through his people. So I'm calling our church again to be a thoroughly biblical congregation to allow that word of God to be our authority for life and faith. Second thing, there are two more points. I'm going to be more brief in these. Number one, we're to be people of the word. Number two, we are to be people of prayer. 
God says in these stories, if I'm in a plan, you will succeed. And if I'm not in a plan, you won't succeed. God is saying to us in these stories and, and does to the Israelite people, if I say you should go, then go, and you will succeed. If I don't say go, then don't go, because you're not going to have my blessing. And, and the stories are they're, they're pretty pointed. These two, these illustrations between this illustration between Jericho and Ai. When, when, when the people of Israel marched on Jericho, they marched on Jericho because they were told by God to do so, and they were told exactly how they should go forward. God spoke, and they heard His voice, and they did exactly what He said to do. So they went and they marched and they marched again and they marched again. Then they marched seven times and they yelled and shouted and blew their trumpets. And God acted on their behalf. See, God was with them. The Ark of the Covenant went before the army of God. But compare that to the story of Ai again. <laughs> there was no instruction to go to Ai. They just did that because they felt like it was the next thing to do. There was no Ark of the Covenant that went before the people of God. They just went in their own strength. And God wasn't with them and they failed. And I want to tell you, we have to be a people people of God who listen first for the voice of God as we spend time with him in prayer. Get into his presence. Live in this ongoing conversation with God. Do you do that? Learn to hear the voice of God being spoken into your life, into our life corporately. And when God tells us to go, we have to go. But if he doesn't tell us to go, just stay right where you are. Don't take one step forward because he's likely not in it. Today we're having a meeting after our service. Um, and it's essentially this. The elders right now are saying, we've got our mission statement, we've got our vision. Now we're going to, we are praying and discerning. We're listening to the extent that we're able and saying, God, what are the significant steps forward that we're going to take? Concrete ideas, we call it putting flesh on the bones, concrete ideas which will allow the vision to unfold. And today what we are doing is asking our congregation, those of you who wish to remain afterwards, to just gather together because we want to hear the voice of God through his people. As we pray otherwise, as we listen otherwise, as we discern otherwise, one option is for us to hear what God is saying to the eldership through you. Um, so we invite you to come. The reality is in the end of the day, when God tells us to do something, we will do it. But if God doesn't tell us to do it, we're not going to do it. And I would say exactly the same thing needs to apply to your lives. Think of some of these illustrations that I've described to you. I think of kids going, choosing universities right now and, and, and trying to make choices about what career to pursue. How does that decision get made? Are they going to make it on their own, based on their own thinking and their own processing? Are they going to get into the presence of God, be people of the word, and be people of prayer, and say, God, speak into my life, because what you tell me to do, I will do. Speak into my heart and into my mind. And I want to tell you, young people, if you do what God calls you to do, if you listen well, and if you understand what God is calling you to do, and you step into that school that he leads you to, and into that career that he calls you to, you will prosper and you will succeed. That's a remarkable thing. God promises it to us here. You know, I think about, again, about young people. I, I sometimes tell young people there are three primary decisions you need to make as you move from your teen years into your young adult years. They're, they're remarkably critical years. 
you don't know it so much when you're there, but when you're a, a parent or, or someone older looking at them, making their decisions that are going to influence their whole lives, you go, oh my goodness. Teenagers making such weighty decisions. There are three things that, that are really critical decisions. Number one, will you follow Jesus? Is that going to be foundational to your life? Huge potential blessing in that. Number two, who will you marry? Because... As is so often stated here, that will produce either blessing or curse. And you know it can bring either. And number three, what are you going to do with your life? What will your occupation be? What career are you going to pursue? Because, you know, we spent a ton of time in, in that career and in that engagement. And there are people who love what they do, and there are people who hate what they do. And I just say to them, don't choose something that you're going to hate for the next 40 years, Right? Here's the deal, my friends. And I'm, again, I'm speaking to younger people here. Go to God. Be people of prayer. Live an ongoing conversation. Hear his voice and do exactly what God calls you to do. Marry the person God tells you to marry. Don't marry the person where, you, where there's silence. Because if God's not in it, he's not going to bless. But if you live in obedience to what he calls you to, my goodness, the blessing will unfold in the way that he desires. When you choose this whole thing about career, same deal. Don't make the decision on your own. Turn to the one who knows you and knows his purpose for your life and who can speak into your life and who will call you to do what he has created you to do, that you might be one of those people through whom the glory of God will shine. I think again about business. <laughs> a lot of business people in this church. Let me ask you a stupid question. Do you want to succeed? Do you want to prosper? Of course you do. That's why you're doing what you do. I, I, you know, I think, I think of the many farmers that are in our church. And, you know, I came here a long time ago, and it didn't take me very long to figure out that farming today is big business. You know, like to buy land, is it still kind of $25,000 an acre? Somebody tell me who knows. Yes. Like that's a lot of money for a 100-acre farmer. 200, like you do the math. You know, farmers buy combines today. I found this out a few years ago. They don't do it every year, but they have to do it when they need to do it. Those, those blinking machines cost more than my house. That's one piece of equipment. And it's required to do the job. And, and everybody, you know, when you're in business, know, you know the challenges and you know the risks and, and you know the difficulties. I say to you, become people of prayer and bring these decisions to, the, to God. And when God tells you to go, you go and go hard. But if God doesn't tell you to go there, don't do it. My friends, the only way we're going to know these, these things and understand the right decisions to make so that we might prosper and succeed, so that we might know the blessing of God, by spending time in silence before the Lord and learning to listen and to hear and to know what God is calling us to. Number three, we have to become people who identify with God. Let me just ask you right off the top, is that you? You know, in this story, the, they're coming, the people of Israel are coming to the battle with Jericho, but before they go in, God says, we have to get back to the sign of the covenant. And that, and that day, of course, was the circumcision of males. On the eighth day, it was supposed to happen, but the practice had ceased. So Moses gathers the guys together, and it happens. It's an act of faith. They would be defenseless for some days. They couldn't fight. 
But they did it in obedience to God. Today, the mark of the covenant is baptism. When we baptize children, it's a direct parallel to the circumcision of the Old Testament and the people of Israel. Infants are baptized, and by being marked with Christ, they are brought into the covenant community of God's people. So that together we can glorify God, so the world can see the Lord in us. We can shine brightly, and people can stand back in awe of who they are coming to see the Lord actually is. But here's the deal today in my experience, and this isn't exclusively the case. I heard Kira today say she goes out and she speaks the word of God. You hear that in the testimony? That was beautiful. That was remarkable. But you know, that's a hard thing to do in this culture of ours because it's not popular to be a follower of Jesus anymore. It's actually unpopular to be so. We're thought of as intolerant and bigoted and haters and narrow-minded And my experience is a lot of people in the Christian faith don't let people know that they are his. Keep it quiet. Don't let anyone know. Keep your head down. You know, um, about a month ago, <clears throat> Rick Mose and I, uh, our executive pastor, and I went to visit a, uh, a church, which is, I'm not going to tell you the name of the church. It's not that big a deal, but I just want to be fair to them. It's a large church in our broader area. They're very missionally intentional. They have a profound ministry in caring for the poor and the broken and reaching out and so forth. This uh, younger pastor came some years ago, <clears throat> and he discovered that the previous year to his arrival, that church had given out $75,000 in gift cards from grocery stores to people who didn't have enough to eat. That's kind of impressive. His question in time was, how many of those people who received those gifts, gift cards knew <clears throat> that they were receiving the gift because of the love and the presence of God in our lives? How many people who received those gifts cards knew that Jesus, through his body, was blessing them? And you know what the answer to the question was? None of them. They did the act of love but they didn't identify with their Savior who prompted the act of love. Now I want to tell you, my friends, that is not going to happen at IPC. We are called to love people, but we are called to identify ourselves with Him because when we identify ourselves with Him, people will then see the glory of God through us and come to honor the Lord and believe in the Lord in the same way that we have. Here's a question for you. How many people in your life know that you're a follower of Jesus? I know that's not an easy question, but I'm asking it today, if indeed that's the case. Um, how many people here make a point of communicating to others that they believe in Christ? I'm not talking about whether you go to church or not. I'm glad you're here, but that's not what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about whether you believe in God. Everybody and his uncle believes in God. Honestly, statistics show in Canada the large majority of people believe in God. My goodness, the Bible says the devil believes in God. That's not the point. What I'm asking you today is how many people here allow other people to know that not only do you believe in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, but that you love him with all of your heart and you're living your life in obedience to him and his word. See, until we identify ourselves with Christ, people won't see Christ in us and be awed by the reality of who he is. See, just to wind up, 
the context here is really, really simple. God says to his people, I'm here to bless you. I have incredible blessing I want to shower on your life. He's saying it right now to you and to us as a congregation. I want to act in power for you as you face your challenges. I've set you free. Now I want more for you, more and more and more of, for you in your experience of life. And what he says in this book of Joshua is, is this. Here's how you can take hold of it. Number one, be people of the word. Love that book. Live in it. Trust it. Obey it. And you will be blessed by God. Number two, be people of prayer. Listen for God leading your life. And when he speaks, act. Do what he tells you to do. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's hard, do it and he will bless you. And number three, identify yourself with Jesus so that others can see him through us. This, my friends, was what it was that gave Joshua and the people of Israel the courage and the strength that they needed as they entered into the conquest of the land. It provided in the end the action of God which produced success and prosperity. I say to you, as I say to myself, let's do the same and see what God will do for us. Let's pray. Lord, all of us want your blessing. All of us want to hear the words that you spoke to Joshua and to your people to be the words that you speak to us. And indeed they are. Because we want to be successful and we want to prosper. We want the blessing to flood our lives. But God, as was the case then, so it is the case today, we need to follow you through your word. We need to trust it and we need to obey it. Help us to be such people. We need to be people of prayer who learn to discern that still small voice so that we know when the Lord has said go. We need to be people who identify ourselves with Jesus, no longer hiding, so that the glory of God, your glory in Christ, might be seen in us. So Lord, give us, give us that courage and that wisdom to simply be what you call us to be. And then, Lord, let the blessing flow. I pray for these people, Lord. I pray that as they enter into this in obedience, that, that they will see blessing in their lives that they've never seen before. And I pray for us, Lord, that you would move by your spirit in a new way and that you would accomplish that which we can't accomplish on our own, that you would battle and overcome our enemy so that the world is set free from his power. God, come and move in us in a new way and let us stand back in awe as we observe you do for us the kinds of things you once did for the nation of Israel. Let your glory shine, Lord. Let your power flow. Let your presence move in our lives in the ways that you wish. Come, Holy Spirit, and do a new thing in us, we pray.